Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short. I'm so glad to have you along today with me as we're talking about prayer and specifically today, how to pray for lost people. Do you know how to do it? Do you do it? Do you remember to lift up those who are lost to God? It's easy to forget, but it's so important that we do. So this morning, I'd like to share some things with you about how to do this. And if you're new, welcome. I hope you do subscribe and join our community because we're here every day for prayer, for the Word of God and prayer, and I hope you'll be a part of our community. Here's several tips on how to pray for lost people. Number one, this one's important. You got to believe they're lost. You're not going to pray very faithfully, very effectively, very fervently if you don't really believe that the people you're praying for really, really need Jesus. It does us good sometimes to think about what we were like before we knew Christ. You know, I don't know about you, but there was an emptiness in my life. There was an anger in my life. There were problems I felt were overwhelming. And it's easy, the longer we walk with the Lord, to forget what we felt like. To forget what it, what it means to not know if God accepts you, if God loves you, if God, if you're forgiven, if you're going to heaven, to not have that assurance. And this, these are problems that people face, and they disguise them well. In our world today, we, you know, most of us, we live in our own homes. We, we can go, we can hide pretty well. And if you want to live and put on a mask and project that you're doing just fine, it's pretty easy to do. And a lot of people do this, and yet inside they're really lost. You got to believe that. You got to look beyond the facade, beyond the fakery, and believe that down deep, as has been said, inside of every person is a God-shaped vacuum that can't be filled by any created thing, but only by the Creator Himself in Jesus Christ. There's an emptiness and a lostness there. And there's a lostness for eternity. This is important too. Don't ever stop thinking about this. Don't forget this. We don't like to think about eternal judgment, but the Bible speaks about it. And so believe this. And if you want to pray for the lost people, you've got to believe they're lost now and in eternity. Jesus talked about he came to seek and to save the lost. He said in Luke 19.10, and he described how he came like a lost sheep, or a lost coin, or even a lost son. And indeed with us, we need to think of people in those terms and have compassion and a desire to really reach them. Number two, when Paul prayed for the lost in Ephesians 6, 19, his, the first thing he prayed for was that he would speak to them with boldness and with clarity. And so number two, our prayers really need to be focused, the first two things I'm gonna say here, focused on ourselves. God, give me a boldness to say what needs to be said. Help me to open my mouth. Help me to speak clearly. Help me to not be afraid. Help me to not be tongue-tied. Help me to have the words I need to say. It's really easy because we, we can get rusty. If you're not sharing the gospel regularly with somebody, it's really easy to get rusty and to forget what you ought to say. And so we, we, we need to pray, God, give me the boldness, the confidence to speak up and to say the right thing. Paul's prayers, he solicited prayers for himself. And indeed, I hope you pray for me when I'm on campus preaching the gospel or others you know who are evangelists, pray for them. Paul was an experienced evangelist. He still asked for prayer because he knew it would be easy to be timid. 
It would be easy not to speak up when he should. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about here. He's talking to one of those courageous people who never live, I imagine. And still, he said, give, pray for boldness and clarity. But now let's pray for, let's talk about some things that we pray for the unbeliever. Number three, I pray they would be open. I specifically ask God to give people open eyes that they can see, open ears that they can hear, an open mind that they can understand the gospel, and an open heart that they might believe the gospel. Jesus talked about sowing the seed, and he talked about four types of soil, hard, rocky, thorny, and good soil. I pray for people to be good soil. And good soil are those who listen with openness, open eyes. Jesus said some people have eyes they cannot see, they have ears they cannot hear. And we want to pray that they can see and they can hear because we're talking about a spiritual message and it will get through to them. And we pray for an open mind to understand there's so many obstacles in our world today, so many things that, that confuse people about what the Christian message is. They've heard They've heard false messages and distorted messages. And, and so many people, young and old alike, are, are now, nowadays just so close to the gospel message. They don't even want to hear it. I've had times on campus where people, are, I engage a person in a good conversation, and, and then they realize it has something to do with, they says that this has something to do with religion. I said, well, yeah, and they, they just walk away. They, they're, they're closed. We pray for an open mind. And then, of course, the Bible says it's with a heart a man believes. So we pray their heart would be open to receive the word of God, to receive the truth of God. This is so, so important. So number one, I pray for open people, open eyes, ears, minds, and hearts. Number two, I pray that when I talk to people, they would be convicted of their sinfulness before God and of the judgment to come. John 16, verse 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And God will use us to bring about this conviction. It's the Spirit that convicts them, but he will use our words to do this. People, uh, people want to, as I said earlier, they want to, they want to bury the thought that they're accountable to God, that, there's, that they're sinful, and that they will render an account to God on Judgment Day for the way they've lived their lives. They want to bury that. They want to forget about it. They, they want to pretend it's not true. We need to awaken people, and the Spirit of God will awaken people and use our words to awaken people to their own sinfulness, that they've fallen short of the grace of God. They, they, excuse me, they've fallen short of the standard of God, and that they are under judgment and they're in need of forgiveness. Now, this is important. You know, a lot of churches will even say, we're a judgment-free church. We're not going to judge you. We won't make you feel bad. I mean, that's like, are you kidding me? That's like you go to the doctor and the doctor promises beforehand. Listen, I'll just give you good advice. I'm not going to tell you anything's wrong with you. You come to me and even if you got cancer, I won't tell you because it might make you feel bad. How crazy is that? No, part of the message of we bring to people is there's a problem they're separated from god there's a judgment coming and this is and you you will never look for a solution until you believe there's a problem and more and more people in our culture today don't believe there's a, there's a problem 
They don't believe they're lost. They don't believe there's a judgment. Many of them don't even believe there's a God. They believe that they are good enough. You, you know, you, I, I've, I've talked to thousands of people, thousands of students, and I'd say the overwhelming majority of non-Christians, if I were to ask them how confident are you that you're going to go to heaven, they will say eight. On a scale of one to ten, they'll say eight, maybe nine. Some will go seven. Very rarely do I hear one or two. They're confident they're, they're good people. They're not saying I'm confident Jesus will save me. They're saying eh, before God, I'm not going to claim to be perfect. I'm not going to claim to be a 10, but I'm a pretty good person. My, my chances are pretty good. We need to pray the Spirit of God convicts people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16, verse 8. Number three, I pray for them that they would know, understand, and receive the love of God. Romans 5, 8 tells us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, some people, they, when they find out they're sinners, they think God hates them. God's angry with them. God wants to reject them. No, when they find out they're sinners, that's the time when, when we need to say our God is a God of compassion abundant in loving kindness, good, and ready to forgive. Our part in receiving salvation starts with acknowledging, I need it. I need forgiveness. So we want to help a person get there, but we don't want them to, to get to the point where they lose, they, they, they think I might as well give up and just go eat, drink, and be married. Tomorrow I die. There's no hope for me. I've run into people like this on campus before that are convinced they've sinned so bad, there's no hope for them. And so they've, they've they, they need to hear that even though they're sinful, yes, there's hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save sinners, Luke 19, 10. He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners. And we need to help people understand that if they, understand, if they see that, yes, I'm a guilty sinner, you're the one Jesus Christ came for. You're the one God loves. He doesn't love us based on our performance. He doesn't love us based on that we've, we've been good enough. He loves us because it's his nature. It's because of who he is. And he reaches out to us with grace, with salvation, to rescue the lost. That's who our God is. And so we need to help them understand that, yes, they're lost, they're sinners, but our God, Jesus, came to save sinners and that understand the love of God. A very practical thing I can pray for an unbeliever is that God would bring the right people into their lives and deliver them from the wrong people. You know, I, on a very personal level, I saw this myself. As a young Christian, as a young teenager who became a Christian, uh, I was a little brash in sharing the gospel with my mother. And she reacted to this, um, you know, this, this adolescent teenager telling her what a what a, what a, how sinful she was. She reacted to that, and it created some barriers to her hearing me talk about Christ for a long time. Not only that, this was at a time when my father was struggling with cancer and ended up dying, and she struggled with her, some, some of her attitudes towards God at a time when, when her son was giving his life to Christ, and she'd wanted, to give, she'd wanted me to give my life to other things. And, uh, and so there was some tension there. And I realized my big way to witness to her 
was not going to be with words because she just wasn't going to receive them. I had to rather rebuild relationally and love. And it was difficult, I might add, on my part. My, I was very hurt. She was hurt. It was very difficult to rebuild that relationship. It was very icy and cold for quite some time. But one thing I did was I prayed, God, she's not going to listen to me. you got to bring other people into her life. And God did. He brought in people at work. He brought in neighbors. He brought in, in, uh, in time, he brought in my grandchildren who witnessed to her. He brought people into her life that spoke truth to her and spoke the gospel to her that I had no idea, I didn't know about. And all of this was working to soften her heart towards God. Sometimes we need to, I found this, winning a person to Christ is almost always a team effort. Sometimes I lead a person to Christ who's never really heard the gospel before. But more often than not, when I lead them to Christ, someone else has been doing some plowing and sowing before me. And likewise, many times God, me, God calls me to do some plowing and sowing, and he uses someone else, shall we say, to, to actually lead them to that point of salvation. It's a group experience. It's a team that works together. And so count on that. Ask God to bring the right people into this the unsaved person's life. Ask God to bring in people who will be able to answer questions or be the right example or love them or whatever it takes that God would do that and that God would deliver them from the wrong people. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good morals. And indeed, we need to pray this for our children, our grandchildren, our friends that we want to see come to Christ, that God would protect them from bad company who would corrupt them and lead them astray. So we pray for God to bring the right people into their life, deliver them from the wrong people. And finally, we pray for deliverance from strongholds. You know, the thing that keeps so many people back is they are, they are bound by sin. They're bound by bitterness, hatred, intellectual pride or some other self-righteousness, pride sometimes bound by sexual immorality, homosexuality, the LGBT. They've bought into this agenda about themselves, their own behavior, their own identity, or they're involved in sexual immorality, pornography, adultery. These are sins that can bind alcohol and addictions, drug addictions. These are sins that can bind and have such powerful hold on a person that it can tremendously damage their ability to have faith in God and trust God. They are, they are held prisoner to these strongholds. We read in 2 Timothy that, that God, that some people are held captive by Satan to do his will, and that we have come to help by the power of God to set them free. And this is what we seek to do, is to see them free from, these, from this bondage to sin. And so we pray for that. It takes more than to set a person free. It takes speaking and so forth. It takes the truth of God, but sometimes... This is a battle that must be won in prayer, so we pray specifically. Do you know a lost person? Do you know, there's, do you know of strongholds that are binding them? Is there hatred in their life? Is there bitterness and anger? Is there immorality? Is there addiction? We need to pray that God would break these strongholds in the person's life. So these are things we can do, and I want to encourage you to develop a list of people in your life that you should be praying for, family members, neighbors, 
work, work, school. Maybe you want to be praying for very influential people. I know people who, you know, maybe you want to pray for political leaders or for teachers at your children's school or educators or, or influential people like celebrities or business leaders, coaches. Maybe God is putting on your heart to not only pray for people you know, but some people you don't know. And if that's the case, these are prayers you can pray for them. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God who answers prayer. I think of how Paul said of the Jews, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for their salvation. And Father, we seek to and we want to pray for the lost. Forgive us, Father, for our negligence here. Forgive us, Father, that we have not prayed more diligently. Help us, teach us how to fight for the souls of people and to fight in prayer. Teach us, Lord, how to be faithful in prayer. You said the fervent prayer of a righteous man, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Help us, Lord, to believe that lost people really are lost and to believe it enough that we would see an urgency to pray for them. And we confess, Lord, that we often don't and we don't think in these terms. Help us, Lord, to see those that we love who don't know you. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. They're like a prodigal who's away. And help us to understand, Lord, that these prodigals, even our own children who are prodigals, help us to see, Lord, that through the mask and through the emptiness and to see the emptiness. And Lord, people that we know that are lost around us, they, they don't have you, but they have stuff. They have nice stuff. They've got expensive stuff. And they may put on a facade of happiness. Help us to know, Lord, that even in that happiness, there may be deep emptiness and pain and hurt and lostness in their soul. Lord, we never know what's going on behind closed doors. We never know what's going on in a person's heart if they don't let us in. But we believe your word that says there is no peace. There is no peace for those who don't know you. Their, their, their soul is like a raging sea. We believe what you say about them. They're lost. Father, give us grace to pray these prayers for open people, open minds, open hearts, open eyes. Lead us, Lord, to good soil. We pray there be good soil to hear the gospel here in our nation and around the world. And lead us to good soil to preach the gospel. Lord, convict people of their sin and of your righteousness and of the judgment to come. Help them to see that they need salvation. Convince them, Lord. Show them of your love. Help them to understand that the cross of Christ shows the love of God, that you love sinners. You take no delight in the death of the wicked, but rather they'd repent and they'd be saved. This is your desire for all men. You're good. You're ready to forgive. You're a gracious God, abounding in loving kindness. Help us, Lord, to share that with others. I pray, Father, you'd bring with the ones we love, you'd bring the wrong, take the wrong people out of their lives those that would corrupt them and lead them into sin and lead them in, in the wrong way and bring good people, bring Christians into the lives of, of those we love, of our family members who aren't saved and of, and of uh, neighbors that we want to, to see saved, those that work, surround them with believers and be working upon these people to see what they could have if they knew Christ as well. And then, Father, we pray also for, for victory over strongholds that bind people, sexual addictions, um, addictions to drugs and alcohol, pornography, 
bitterness, anger, hatred, greed, these things, Lord, that can control the soul. Break these addictions in, in our loved ones that we're praying for today. We ask these things. And Father, then finally, raise us up to be bold, to speak with boldness and clarity, to make known with clarity the mystery of the gospel. We pray, Father, that the gospel would run rapidly in America. And Lord, I know people come on here from India and Europe, other parts of the world. We just want to see the gospel go forth. Might you save the lost? This is what matters. Might there be more and more people populating heaven. Might heaven be full and might hell be empty, we pray. And we ask for this. We pray these prayers. Use us for this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. And God bless you. I'm glad you're with me today. I hope you join me regularly. We pray here each day, 8.30 a.m. live, or you can hear, listen, you can watch later because the, the videos stay up. Or you can join us on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms if you just want to hear the, the download and listen to the podcast. God bless you. I'm so glad to hear you, have you along. Love you guys, and I'm glad you're here. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, share this with us. We need to be praying for the lost. Carl on here talked about that this video might go viral. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Maybe you can help make it go viral so that others will, let's raise up a whole army of people who will pray for the gospel to go forth and pray with specificity and pray with clarity and pray specifically for the lost that we know. God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. You have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.